Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. All right, we're back, and it's slightly better, according to at least me, on the Oz Network for 24 season six, episode number 10, 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, anybody who's been waiting for us to say anything positive, you're going to hear one or two things from me this week. I can't promise a third, but at least one or two positive things this week. Uh, this was the February 19th episode. Directed by Brad Turner, written by Howard Gordon and Evan Katz. They got rid of that idiot from last week. <laughs> who wrote all the soap opera stuff and then went on to do The Wire and The Shield. Uh, and Ben, now that we got a new date, what happened on February 19th? Yeah, um, I mean, a couple of things that maybe summarize why this episode isn't on a good day in history. Uh, because on this day, 1954, um, the Soviet Union ordered the transfer of Crimea to Ukraine. And we all know how that played out in the future. And also, uh, on this day, it's Millie Bobby Brown's birthday, and we all know how that turned out in the future. So, (laughs) um, Crimea and Millie Bobby Brown were born on this day, and at the time, maybe the worst episode of 24 in the history. So, February 19th, not a good day in history. I'm not going to be that negative on this one. Uh, Maybe maybe you'll be able to sway me. Who knows? Uh, But uh, this episode... Uh, we get some major stuff finally happening. This uh, Maybe this is one of the reasons why I'm slightly more positive on it because we had four weeks of like nothing happening and just complete boredom. And uh, at least the last five minutes of this episode, I think is great, even though I still have some problems with it and maybe it not being as good as I remember it being. It's still, I think, at least one of the few contenders for a Hall of Fame this season. Uh, but uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, Anything specific you want to talk about as to why you feel this is worse than last week, which was horrible? I'm not going to do my name is, or we're just going to just go into the episode, or <laughs> there, did we not do my name is? No, okay, and I actually a, found look, a quote. Look at you go. Well, oh, I'll find a quote. Maybe if I don't do it, Ben won't see that I didn't find yeah. a quote. <laughs> well, fine. My name is Colin, and I can smell it on your breath. And I've got a couple here because it's going to be funny. My name is Ben, and speaking on behalf of the writers, how could I have been so stupid? And I swear, <laughs> I am stone cold sober. Sober. And speaking on behalf of me, trust me, it's personal. There you go. Yeah, I planned this that one. Getting... Good job, Ben. <laughs> You're just patiently waiting for me too until eventually it's like, no, 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 no. No, 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 uh, no, no, no. We have that quote, don't we? Is it not on the board anymore? Uh, it's, it's on there somewhere. <laughs> but yeah, thoughts on why this is worse than last week, which by the way, I'm already going to say you're an idiot if you think that. It's just... There's two things. I think we had the dumbest plot in 24 history. Uh, I've, I've said that so many times. We've had amnesia with Vancouver. We literally have a plot line this week that Jack Bauer is ashamed to his family because he went off and saved America and served his country with distinction because he's ashamed to his family because he didn't want to work in corporate America with his daddy. That, to me is absolutely, like, that is even the writers giving a finger up to the fans of this show. (laughs) And that you have Jack Bauer going, Daddy, I'm sorry, I just wanted you to love me. As much as I said last week, I want personal Jack Bauer, that's too much. And also, Mm -hmm. I'm going to shit all over maybe what you're thinking is one of the best things of this because I know where it goes and annoys the crap out of me. Logan coming back, cheap. Ten episodes in, I spat all over myself. Ten episodes (laughs) into this season, this is how you bring Logan back to do what you do with him in a week's time to then just completely forget about him. I'm sorry. It's cheap. This is worth, like we said, Nina was maybe brought back too quickly. Sherry was brought back too quickly. I'd still stand by that fact, but like, this is just even worse than what the way they did this. And it's just, I don't like this end of the episode moment with Logan when it's all like, ah, we need to talk like, oh, it's just, it just fits into this worst season. No. Uh, I'm going to be very curious when we get to next week because I don't remember hating the Logan stuff from season six. Uh, but uh, how many episodes do we get of Logan if you don't count this one? 
two or th- uh, one, two, three. It's, it's very minimal, and he literally mm-hmm. there are there are many characters in the season that just literally disappear. Sandra Palmer just, I mean, you'll see her every yeah. now and then. Wayne Palmer's going to disappear, come back, disappear. Logan will literally disappear after what happens to him at the end. You, once you get to it, I think it will refresh your memory what happens to him. But um, well, no, I remember what happens like with him and Martha and Aaron, or is uh, that season eight? No, 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 that that's this, this season. One? That's this season. Yeah, Martha. This is but, but this I is think, the last Martha season. You never get Martha again after this season. Yeah, like my my memories of Logan, they definitely gel together with what is the season eight stuff he had. So I always assume that he was here for longer in season six, but I guess not. Very. Minimal. I mean, it, but. It's not even just the Logan scene. I think that la- that scene between Philip and Jack, I actually kind of like at the end too. We'll, we'll get there though. Let's talk about the uh, the other stuff first. Um, and believe it or not, this is actually some of the stuff that I'm going to be complimentary to in this episode. Uh, Morris, is this soap opery? Yes. Um, is it bad soap opery? Yes. Does Carlo Rota make the most of this? Boy, does he ever. Yeah. Um, first of all, with Chloe, I think this is the first hint we get at him being an alcoholic, unless we had something early in the season we definitely had nothing in season five but she just drops a line you should talk to a psychologist or your sponsor and that's like the first time i think that they mention it. i mean of course this is gonna be a big part of uh the season for him and funny that my memories of him being kidnapped was wiped completely in my mind but my memories of him as an alcoholic was what i remembered in season six and maybe it's because he handles this a lot better uh but uh we get him immediately taking a break to go to the 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 store and get a Red Bull or whatever it is, and then uh, I do like that we see the news coverage of the chaos, reminding the audience every now and then throughout the season, like a nuclear bomb was detonated because we we don't get that enough. And of course, you're not gonna have the budget to show chaos in the streets all the time, but just getting those little things, it, it has a good effect on the the season. But uh, uh, him when he decides to to uh, get the bottle as well. And then he goes outside, he immediately downs his bottle, he swallows it, because I thought that this was where he spits it out right away, because that's the way that it kind of gets played. But he actually does swallow it, and then he immediately makes himself throw up, which I forgot about him throwing throwing up in the alley. That's pretty harsh. Um, Morris uh, immediately goes in, and I love that he's checking in on Milo. <laughs> yeah. Which these guys haven't got along. Why did Morris have this change of heart where he's like, just wanted to know, how you doing, buddy? And like, this is where Milo should be like, so like I was shot. But um, you had your head drilled and you armed a nuclear bomb. <laughs> I should be worried about you. Uh, but of course, this is has to be a reason why Milo is going to smell it all over his breath. Uh, they're in a briefing and uh, Chloe's whispering something to Morris. It's funny because Bill actually asked a question of Chloe. Chloe, can I get you to do this? And then Chloe's like, Morris, what is going on? And he's like, nothing, nothing. We're fine. Uh, sure, Bill. I just want Bill. Excuse me. Do you do you need to have this discussion in private? We're in the middle of something here, right? Uh, be a boss, Bill. Uh, and then when they immediately get outside, she says, talks about what a betrayal this is. Now, I'm not, you know, condoning, and uh, especially an alcoholic relapsing on the job, especially during government operations. But Chloe, last week you were so concerned because your husband was kidnapped by terrorists, almost had his head drilled. And armed a nuclear bomb, and she goes, this is such a betrayal. Like, I get where you're coming from, but tact, Chloe. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sure it's not the first alcoholic who relapsed. There's certainly have been people who probably did it with, with less reason than this. <laughs> Almost getting your head drilled <laughs> by a terrorist. Um, but, but still, this is a really good scene, the way that he explains himself. And he even says, like, uh, I, I spit it out right away. Uh, later, Chloe's going to have a conversation with Milo about it. He's like, I smelt uh, the alcohol over his breath. And then he's like, well, he didn't metabolize it. And what does that mean? Metabolize? That yeah. <laughs> with that's a polite way of saying he threw it up. Um, but she basically demands that he talk to his sponsor. Um, the, yeah, th- th- this is really saved by Carlo Rota. I'll give props to everybody. Cause even, even Eric Balfour handles this well. Like he, again, he's handling it with tact. Um, I do have to question though, like why everybody's concerned about this. Like I, I get just this week, one of my employees actually sent me a screenshot because they were doing like one of these mandatory courses that HR gives you that feels the need to actually state employees in the company are not allowed to be under the influence of any substance while on the job. And it's like, I think this would go without saying. So I get that. I'm not arguing that point, but we went through a season where Jack was on heroin <laughs> and he were told True. he's the only person who could do this job. I, I don't quite get the, the hypocrisy of Chloe and Milo making the biggest deal about this. You're watching them now. I guarantee you, you could have them walk a straight line or something like that, but 
this is not the worst thing that has happened in CTU, and it's not the worst substance that anybody's been on. Uh, I'll, I'll group in here the uh, the Lennox and Reed stuff too, because I also kind of like that. Um, so Lennox and Reed, the the plotting, the the, the Darth Sidious uh, <laughs> stuff is still going on. Um, I actually believe, like as 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 many holes as we're poking in this, and as much as I do agree with you that like this comes out of nowhere, you don't really understand, especially where Reed's coming from. Lennox, you definitely understand where he's coming from, but not with Reed. Um, I feel like this could have been your season's plot. We already said, do this thing, like this for your eyes only thing with Assad and Fayed, drag that out. Which one is the good guy? Which one is the terrorist? Combine that with the plot to assassinate a president. We went through all of season one where it was a plot to assassinate a presidential candidate. Yeah. And you're already recycling a nuke. Just recycle this. This is better. They do in season uh, and eight, I feel like, but yeah, but like I get. But with a little bit of, with more more time spent on this, more fine tuning, I feel like this could be the season's plot. Um, we have uh, uh, Reed basically telling him that Assad is going to be their fall guy. Uh, so you think it's supposed to be Lennox, but no, it's actually going to be Assad. He's the one who's going to be uh, taking the blame for all this. And then uh, we get sad Lennox coming in and talking to Wayne. And this is something where, again, I don't know if this is the plan. I, I mentioned last week that I sort of turned around my memories of this season and the way I sort of took this the first time around was that Lennox didn't quite understand what this plot was in the first place. I even a couple of weeks ago, I was, I was questioning you. I'm like, Lennox just sort of thought, cause I, I remember this is Lennox thought that they were just talking about, you know, let's have Daniels take over. And it wasn't actually this assassination thing. And so he's caught off guard by it. But when you connect it with this scene, it actually opens up two other possibilities. Cause what we see in this episode is that Lennox immediately after talking to Wayne warns the secret service, Oh, don't do this or whatever. Reed comes in, punches him in the face, <laughs> knocks him out. Uh, it, it comes out. You don't. It's just like with with Philip Bauer. I don't understand this character's motivation. That's what's lacking. Mm. But the idea is solid. Um, but this opens up the possibility of did Lennox know what they were doing the whole time? And then when he comes in with Wayne, because we had those little moments where where we talked about maybe it was Peter McNichol just playing up on. This whole, I'm disappointed the president is going along with me. I have reason to be upset. Maybe it wasn't there in the script. It was more of the performance. Um, but it's right after the scene with Wayne where he's like, Tom, I'd like your ideas here on the Assad speech. Where he's like, you actually want, like, you, you, want, you, you still love me? That's kind of the way the scene plays. So does he come in and change his mind because he realizes that's Wayne is on his side? But, but that's what I, but, I've but, always assumed that, yeah. Because it, Reed basically plays this off as, no, he, uh, he 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 was playing us from the beginning. He knew what we were up no, to. No, because I think there is a line in this episode where Lennox does say, "You're talking about assassinating the president." Like he says that. So, like to me, uh, uh, yeah, to me. And prior to this, he was saying, "Oh, are you talking about what I think you're talking yeah, about?" Yeah. So I've always assumed that Lennox knew that they were talking about assassination, not just removing him. And I think to me, it's more of a. Yeah, like Reed's just that type of, you know, guy who needs approval. So, like, as soon as the president's going to sit down and be like, no, Tom, I, you scallywag, we're going to disagree, but I like you. You're my friend. Let's go watch the game. So then he's yeah. going to walk out and go, oh, no, I made a mistake. So that's what how I've interpreted it. So, I mean, talk about the more stuff as well as this, but I'm curious to see your take on, does Lennox, in your mind, change his mind? He was willing to go along with this and he changes his mind because he gets Wayne's approval here? Yeah. Or was he playing them from the beginning? No, no, no. I think he changes his mind. I don't think he's he's played them from the beginning. But I just... This but is... it's left open, right? Like, we don't get a yeah, firm Yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but that's just how I've always interpreted I've never really questioned it. I just think, that, again, it just goes into what I said a bit last week about the fact that, like, again, it's just so bipolar. Two weeks ago, he's ready to do it. And that last week, oh, yeah, let's do it. And then all of a sudden, one conversation changes his mind. And I'm sorry, Diet Rob Lowe, but you are not punching Peter McNichol in the face. That guy's kicking your ass seven days on a Sunday. Like, come on, fuck off. Um, so, like... And he's short like Tom Cruise. Exactly. Because that's what short people do. <laughs> exactly. So, like, I just fuck off. And, like, but this is just the thing of it. Like, the whole, like, get his schedule. And all of a sudden he's like, nah, yes. Yeah, so, well, lucky for me, Assad's here. So we can blame them to some of Bin Laden of the 24th. Like, what a stroke of luck. Like, I mean, if you've got this, like, planned, what if you didn't have him there? Who are you going to blame? Like, Jenny in accounts? Um, like, well, she always had ties to the West, uh, to the East. Yeah. She hates the president. Like, come on. Um, no, nah, I'm not a fan. Like, again, Peter McNichol gives it it all. And D.B. Woodside actually is quite good in this episode too. Not to say that he hasn't been, but, like, you know, I think at the end of the day, like, they're, they're doing what they can with their performances. There's nothing lacking there, but I just think it's just... It's just too much. It's too, too much. Um, and then the CTU stuff, again, I don't disagree with you. Color Rota does a fantastic job. 
But again, drag this out. Like, why do we go from full zero to full R word in the space of two seconds? Jumps across to the liquor store, grabs a bottle, bleh, comes back in. Then all of a sudden, they're smelling his breast straight away, berating him, metabolizing, all this kind of stuff in the space of like 40 minutes. And again, this is a government agency that is dealing with a nuclear bomb that has gone off in the city. But all we care about is bold analyst who just happens to be an alcoholic. He's going to be calling Bart Simpson next week. Like, it's just, you know, I mean, I will say, I think I like, I kind of, I'm, I'm Morris. Like, I am that negative type of voice. So like, and I'm very petty. This is me. Like, you know me enough to know that this is me. So like when he's all of a sudden like, oh, you know, because I think Nadia has that passing comment about uh, Milo. Like, oh yeah, he was shot, but I believe he's going to be in for a commendation. You decide within 10 minutes that analyst at the desk is going to be up for a commendation? Like what? Chloe should have gotten seven of these a couple of seasons ago. Like what the hell is going on? Um, Edgar should be like, have a school named after him. He sacrificed himself for the greater good. Freaking um, uh, Sean Aston. Think about all that. But um, so then like Morris, again, he's me. It's kind of like, oh, like, typical. Like, you know, he goes off and saves the day. He's going to get accommodation and I've armed a nuclear bomb and all this kind of stuff. Um, so like that's just very much me. But one thing I want to give, and this is this is a weird comment to say, but like I, I, I do not know how alcoholics can do what they can do sometimes. Like, I, I enjoy a drink. I'm not Noah, but I enjoy a drink from time to time. I'm not like I was in my youth where I could easily grab a bottle of vodka and drink it like water. But, like, Morris grabs a bottle of whiskey here and downs it down to, like, the last quart. Now, I know you've never <laughs> drunk alcohol in your life, but anybody out there who's normal and has, and they've drunk spirit <laughs> straight, for the most part, I, I don't know how you can just digest a spirit. It is like putting petrol into your mouth sometimes. It is very strong. Maybe that's why he throws up. It but, wasn't even intentional. But, like, but you watch him. He downs it. Like, seriously, like, if you drink whiskey like that, there's generally, a, like, a... Like whoa, this is strong. Like I've had two. Occasions- I did wonder how he could swallow some of that. I could do that with water. I don't even know if I could do that with orange juice. But that's alcoholics can do that. And like, you know, I used to be able to do that with vodka. But like, I've had that twice in my life where like I didn't realize what I was drinking. Well, three times. I remember Bruce Canagai, great Survivor player from Survivor <laughs> Panama. I was at Reality Rally, and we were going to go to a signing. Like I wasn't signing. I was there to do like interviews and stuff. So he was like, Ben, Ben, come here, come here. I want you to have a drink or something. So I'm like, okay, cool. Hands him this glass. I had no idea what it was. I'm like, what is it? I'm like, I'll just drink it. You'll like it. So I'm like in a rush. I'm thinking it's just like, I don't know, like some sort of soft drink or something like that. So I literally, and it's about a half full glass, just go gulp. And all of a sudden I'm like, it is like whiskey. He is like, oh, it's my own homemade whiskey. I'm like, fucking oath, mate. Like could have given me a warning. I've gone to this signing drunk. I had that happen to me when I was like 19 or something. Somebody's like, drink this. It was like straight rum. And I'm just like, fucking hell. But like, it literally gets to a point where you're like, whoa. So props to Morris here, the alcoholic. Um, he's got it ready to go. But yeah, the, I mean, it's it's just like, it gets a box of Altoids and that's going to cover it, mate. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, seriously, you're an alcoholic. You should know that doesn't work. <laughs> well, this is this is a, a question probably I have to get a scientist to answer, but isn't the breath, your breath actually coming from, not that you just ingested something, but that it's still in you. You're breathing it out. So if he threw this up, yeah. would there be any smell uh, on his breath? I mean, yes and no. I mean, I think alcohol is different. It's kind of like cigarettes, right? Like it's sort of, you can have a puff and a cigarette and it can kind of stick to you still. Like it's the the chemicals in it. I Again, I don't know. Because that's why like popping a couple of mints doesn't prevent you from blowing a negative reading on a breathalyzer or something mm. like that. So... Yeah, I, I don't think the scientists are going to release their studies of what covers up the smell of alcohol because <laughs> they might have a lot more drunk drivers out there that get away with it. Um, but yeah, I, 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 look, I don't like the fact that this is all just getting rushed. It's in it. These are all things that just build up to the fact that like this isn't good. Why are we getting this just shoved down our throat? It's like I said last week, we've got a thousand and one things being shoved down us this week. And it's not to take away from a Peter McNichol of Colorado just their performances. You're, you're, you're right. Like Eric Balfour does a great job. Eric, Mary Lynn does another great job as well. It's just, again, it just doesn't fit. Doesn't like on the grand scheme of things on the day that Amer- like again, nine 11, let's bring in. We didn't bring in that last week. Like, are we really caring at freaking FBI that, Oh my God, Jenny in accounts. There she is again. She's an alcoholic, but there might be another plane yeah. about to crash into the Capitol building. But you fix that <laughs> alcohol problem. Call Bart Simpson. <laughs> um, so yeah. Anyway, uh, next week, as far as the read stuff goes with, with Lennox, next week is the, the big assassination attempt episode. Uh, so I will agree with you that this is very rushed. Having not watched next week's episode yet, but remembering a little bit about it, uh, even if I didn't remember anything about it, 
we know we have no time left. And this episode does not explain how Reed puts this plan together. Yeah, exactly. uh, and what was the plan? Like, uh, how do you how do you do this if you didn't have Lennox's approval, which was only two hours ago? Like, let's remember, two hours has passed since Lennox said, yes, go do this. Yeah. And now all of a sudden you're ready to execute it that quickly. And like you said, you didn't know Assad was going to be there. Nobody knew Assad was going to be there. And it, you were the ones arguing to not let Assad on the air. You made so, a, Yeah, exactly. And you made, you made a great point too, which I did. I wanted to touch on too about you don't know Reed's motivations. You don't know Philip's yeah. motivations. That's a big issue. Like you think you go back to even back in season two when we had um, old terrorist guy that Jack pretended to kill his kids. We at least got a level there. We, we got that level through uh, the family drama, then through the, the the recordings and everything along those lines. We got that. Even I mean, season one is the king of all the seasons. I would argue that like even season five last year didn't really have the motivations clear cut because, again, we've got the shadowy government organization that every single week, oh, no, I kill Palmer, no, I kill Palmer, no, I kill Palmer. Like, make your fucking mind up. So, yeah, I think it's a great point you make too, and it just, it just adds to it. Like, it adds to the frustration of this. It's because, like, okay, diet, Rob Lowe. You want to kill the president. Why? Like, I don't know. All you need is like him to walk in with a Ku Klux Klan hood on. It's like, I don't agree yeah. with a black president. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. You're fucking racist. Like, good. Done. And then we hate him even more. Like, I don't know. Um, I'm going to talk about all of the Jack stuff here, except for the big standoff, Phil, because I think that needs to be done on its own. Uh, so as we mentioned last week, Jack was just blown up in a building a couple of blocks away from where Milo crashes and blows up a truck. But this episode starts, and he's right there. <laughs> this man covered that ground faster than Air Force One. <laughs> I don't know how it's possible. Um, I actually kind of like this action sequence, like the uh, Milo and uh, Marilyn running around hiding the alley. Although, again, it, it's just the writers were clearly out of ideas and maybe just didn't – they weren't into this season. Or they took for granted because uh, a couple weeks ago I was mentioning how – uh, season after season, you listen to these commentaries and you hear the writers say, in the beginning, we cared a lot more about the plot holes, mm. but then we just realized people didn't care. They're they're overestimating how little people care at this point. I think they, they've reached, they're, they're testing the waters way too much because these guys run into the alley after them. Milo is hiding behind a dumpster. There are about a dozen other things there that you could hide underneath or behind. And of course, these guys are looking around. They're like, there, the dumpster, that's yeah. them. <laughs> they got no reason to think it. Um, Milo tells Marilyn, I'm going to open fire and then you run. And then we get the single dumbest moment from Marilyn we're ever going to get. Okay. All of a sudden she starts running. Gunfire starts. Ah! She starts spinning in circles and comes right back. And you Milo's like, why did you run? I don't know. I panicked. <laughs> you could do this in a comedy and it would be so much better. But like, this is done seriously. And she just looks so stupid. She's a sofa, um, Colin. She can't run. She just literally yeah. needs to sit there and be laid upon. Like I, I, I want people actually, if they haven't watched this episode in a while or you didn't pay close attention, just watch the scene where she runs out. Yeah, right back. It just looks ridiculous. Um, of course, Jack comes in to save the day. Kind of a heroic moment for him. Uh, they they take this one guy. Britney Spears uh, style, as you said, in two seconds. <laughs> two seconds. He's made it 16 blocks. Um, so they, uh, they, they take this henchman hostage or whatever. And of course, he's going to talk because nobody actually... Hires decent people anymore in this industry. Oh, back when um, I was a terrorist, <laughs> nobody told. <laughs> uh, Jack talks Marilyn into basically going along with it after she tells him, oh, they've got, no, no. I don't understand why she didn't tell him in the car. Like she trusts him this much. And at this point, what reason she, he basically goes right up to her. It's like, you tried to kill me. So, okay, maybe she's suddenly caving and being like, oh, he's got my son or whatever because she thinks Jack's about to kill her. Yeah. I don't know. But, but then- the first thing she says after that is, well, I'm not telling you anything unless uh, Josh is safe. Th th then don't tell him anything in the first place. Like, yeah. uh, she's, she seems like a character. And fine, maybe it was their intention that they want this character to not be making a lot of sense because that's what a person who's not part of this lifestyle would do. But uh, it still, it, it, it doesn't play well. Um, they decide they're going to make the call. They're going to uh, go along with try to set up Philip. Uh, now, Jack's reaction or Kiefer's reaction when he finds out it's his dad it is kind of like, it's kind of like that Revenge of the Sith. There's a lot of Star Wars stuff here. That Revenge of the Sith moment where Obi-Wan finds out his Anakin. And it's like, oh, I see what you're going for there. But like, I expected something bigger because he's just like, no, it can't be. It can't. Uh, and by the way, I love a lot of things Revenge of the Sith. That's just one of the things that nobody talks about that it's like, oh, that was definitely a weak moment. And Jack's just like, what, what? 
I, I want something bigger out of yeah, you, Kiefer. And, agree. Uh, but it's a build-up, though, isn't wasn't. it? Because, again, this is where it needs to be. Like, again, we've had Philip out for, what, four episodes at this point? And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, he's evil. It's like, yeah. we know, the audience knows, but, like, it's kind of like, think about the Nina reveal when he knows mm-hmm. Nina's evil and just what that comes from it and all that kind of stuff. Like, it just, it, it's just not, yeah. It feels, and this is his like, fucking dad. This should be more than Nina. And we were saying how it was kind of rushed with Philip's reveal a couple of weeks ago. I think there were two better places to do this. You could have done the reveal after he leaves CTU with Josh and he placed that phone call to Maryland. That would have been a much better reveal. Or you leave that phone call completely in the dark. You don't know who Maryland's talking to, or it's done, you know, through a, a, a different intermediary or intermediary or something like that. Uh, and then you only find out that this is what Philip's doing when they arrive at the hotel and there's nobody there. And you see him on the balcony with Josh. I mean, that, yeah. that would have been a great reveal. Um, but uh uh, yeah, they, they basically do this this sting operation uh, for uh, Philip. We don't have much out of Jack. Uh, Jack uh, calls to tell Bill, uh, oh, we got a plan here. But I, I obviously says, I don't have time to tell you about it. Yeah. And, uh, really? It's personal. <laughs> We've seen this season. Conversations happen very quickly. Oh, uh, the terrorists are actually involved. The plot is actually my dad. Okay, bye. Yeah, my dad. Uh, but then, yeah, he, then he says, it's, yeah, but then he just says, it's personal. Which, by the way, that line right there. There's so much more you could do with that because, as I said, Curtis died by Jack's hand by oh. taking it personally. Uh, <laughs> Which, and again, why doesn't anybody question Jack? Like, they they, they torture, yeah. like, Graham. They do this because of their family. They tortured Audrey because of her slight connection last season because to her dad or whatever the hell it was. And now all of a sudden, ah, Jack's, Jack's fine. And you just happen to come back the day that these terrorist attacks happen and exactly. you just happen to be tied to your brother and your dad and all that. Yep. Um... Yeah, uh, Marilyn also said, was able to tell Jack pretty quickly, so there was plenty of time to tell this to Bill. Um, yeah, Philip uh, uh, with Josh, this contradicts everything that Josh was saying last week where he's telling him, I just want you to know your dad was really proud of you. And Josh like, can we not talk about this right now? No, excuse <laughs> me, Josh. I remember last week, I want to know how my dad died. Tell me about my dad. No, let's not talk about this right now. I'm feeling sad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> The uh, uh, they they rig up the henchman's phone here, a very technical thing where they rig up the henchman's phone, where the guy even says something like, you know, oh, you need to uh, put it through the uh, the trace uh, block filter or something like that. Uh, so they got like this huge device, um, and um, uh, we have the phone call where he's taking it, and Josh follows him and just happens to overhear him say he's going to kill him. Uh, to which Josh decides he's going to say, so Grandpa, I'm going to go downstairs and get some food, and he's like, oh, sure. We have a mini bar. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't feel like any of that stuff. Okay, well, order room service. Yeah, but I kind of want to stretch my legs. Okay. <laughs> now, okay, that that's fine. Josh is a kid. He's allowed to be stupid. But my biggest problem with this is Philip saying, okay, go, Josh. Not even two seconds later, he's got a gun on him. Yeah. Just pull the gun then. Like, it, it, it feels like it's trying to it's just to get the audience's hopes up but you're not giving it the audience any time to digest this there's two moments in this episode where they are clearly like and when you've seen it you know it like it's kind of just it's played for the audience shock it's this and the moment later on when you think that philip's trying about to kill jack and it's over his shoulder you literally see the camera deliberately pull this really weird angle on jack so you can't see philip anymore and yeah. it's just, and you know, like I'm like, oh my god, that's so obvious. It's so bad. They're playing it for a shock when it's not a shock at all. And, and sometimes an audience member will realize what's coming. They, they telegraph things, and, and they know that audiences are going to pick up on those cues. Like, of course, I don't even remember what it was I was watching last night, but uh, or it might be something we were talking about last week, where something comes on the screen, and you're me like, oh, I bet you this is going to happen. Uh, Jamie and I were watching something the other night. I don't remember what it was, and there was like a brief pause on the screen and we're like, Oh, that guy's going to be the bad guy. It was something like that, you know, Yeah. where you're like, you, you could tell what they're going with, but give it a chance to breathe. Yeah. Have me. Okay, Josh, you go. Don't make it the very next shot. You've got a gun on him. Mm-hmm. It just defeats the purpose of doing it because then that just makes it clear to the audience that you're doing this just to tease them. Um, I'll, I'll leave it right before they actually storm the Gradenko house here. But uh, another very awkward scene with Marilyn undressing in the garage uh, not fully undressing, but I want you to put on this bulletproof vest, which is just meant to have them looking over their shoulders at each other, uh, which is just painful. The only thing I'm going to say um, in defense of season one's bad storylines and season two's bad storylines and season three's bad storylines and so on and so on is that at least they're over quick. With the exception of Lynn's sister, 
nothing bad or soap opera lasts this long on the show. And we're not done with this. We're not even close to being done with this. And that's, you sum it up, right? And I think, I don't know if it was last week or this week, they kind of gel into each other where like, you've got that conversation between um, Marilyn and Jack. And she's like, oh, you know, did you leave because of me? Like, you know, you left Jack, didn't you, to get away from the family business? You know, your dad was always there. It's like, oh, shut up. And then like, and I love how Jack's just kind of like, no, like, don't force a romantic thing like this. Now, this is what my problem's going to be with Renee. It's kind of like they it's they, they do the opposite with Renee. Here, it's like we've got to believe that there's this history that we need to be invested in. With Renee, it's like, oh, hot girl who we're going to make the female Jack Bauer. Definitely should be with Jack. And try and yeah. force it down our throat in like three hours. It's like we, we barely know this woman. Who is she? And you're already forcing her to be this Jack Bauer type character in like the space of five seconds. And that's my huge problem with Renee when we get to her. Um, and this is kind of like the opposite. And I like I don't even think Meryl Streep in this role could save this. And this is where I'm going to defend Miss Sophie here. I don't think anyone can save this because it's yeah. what can you do with this? Even the greatest actors in the world are not going to be able to save what they're doing here because it's just so rushed and forced down our throat. Don't give us a connection between two characters who we barely even know like if we had have heard about the great Marilyn Bauer over the last few years and we had heard this mm-hmm. name dangled or whatever, but like this is almost to me diminishing his relationship with Terry because like, you know, this is kind of his love before Terry. We don't even know. Like to me, Kiva plays it as if like, does he even give a shit about this woman? Because like, it's all like Marilyn, like, oh, oh, oh. Kiva's just like, oh, great. She's <laughs> like, I just want Jack well, to be like, Marilyn, we had a three week thing. You were fine <laughs> in bed, but I moved on. Like get over <laughs> it. Do they ever, I, I block it out, obviously, but do they ever actually explain what the history is? Because it's either so. they were together before she was with Graham or they were together. The timeline is really confusing because. Well, she mentions it about. She would ter- Kim's over 20 years old. Yeah, well, she, because she mentions about like, they were obviously something happened there before and he went and joined the military to get away from his dad. So like, I'm guessing this was in the. Pre-Terry. Youth, yeah, pre-Terry. Yeah. I mean, Keith is what? Like, Jack's what in his late 30s 40s here so say he's yeah. like early 40s say he's like 42 43 so kim's by now probably like 23 24 i, I always get skewed over the time gaps between season one and season six there's got to be at least five six seven years by now i think we're about eight years there's something so in the season kim's where I'm like, oh, it's eight. So, so say he had yeah. kim when he was 20 21 so you know there's mm-hmm. a couple of years before there and yeah but you're right like i mean but i mean jack not opposed what? to sleeping with other women when he's married as we know so but I mean, let's just say for argument's sake, this isn't something where he slept around with his brother's wife. It was more the, it the was brother before. decided to take Jack's old girlfriend, which even still, I mean, that's I don't want to get too deep into this because I I know some people who have done this uh, where <laughs> uh, I'm not going to say whatever, everybody make your own choice. But, you know, uh, you're split up with somebody and then you're with their sibling uh that's something that does happen but i'm like oh that's just weird like graham i've never really have some self-respect you're paul mccrane i will say i've never really dated that my my long term none of your sisters uh, oh when i was younger my (laughs) sister's friends were hot don't get me wrong but no um, i meant her boyfriends like her exes (laughs) oh no no, not 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 yet but no but like none of my Partners have had sisters. They've only ever had brothers. So I haven't had that option. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could have. But, but again, you date um, in the family gene pool. You know what they're like. So why would you be tempted? Like, particularly if it ends not good. Like, oh, but maybe yeah, I, I remember they're better. I remember at one point watching this season thinking, oh, are they going to have this turn out that Josh is Jack's son? Which I'm I, so I remember thinking exactly the same yeah. thing. Yep. Yeah. I'm surprised. Uh, anything else? I'm you- sure they had that conversation, Colin. I'm sure that was thought about. <laughs> oh yeah, one of the many things that they debated in the, the writers room. I have nothing. Uh, else anything to else add. you want to? No. Good. Let's get to the stuff that I actually kind of like here. So, uh, they they get the address because Marilyn just remembers the exact address <laughs> where Gradenko really is. So she had the ability to remember two no, addresses. I think it, one I think that she she saw it, but then remember. Like, I'm sorry if I'm driving down a street. I'm not going, well, we're clearly on Boulevard 7 and it was house number 372. Like she goes, oh, oh I did see it. And then she remembered the address. Yeah. And, and again, she saw this in the dark. Yeah. We were talking about this last week at night following her husband. She's not going to have that ingrained in her mind years later, but whatever. Argument's sake, she did. Uh, so they're about to storm the house here. And uh, big surprise, second house in a row that Gradenko's not in and somebody gets blown up. Um 
uh, or this one doesn't actually blow up. It was uh, the other one that blew up, but uh, still, oh for two on Gradenko houses. Uh, I, I like the reveal here when Jack's in the hallway, of the hotel. They're just about to go to Philip's room, and he gets the text message, and both the henchmen and Marilyn are like, "Oh, what is it?" He goes, "It's nothing," uh, which doesn't doesn't need to be in the episode, but it just shows that Jack's not willing to trust this information. He's like, "Hey, if they know, you know that, that this happened, then maybe he's going in to prepare." The doors open a crack, so he's going in there. Guns are blazing, looking around every corner. Uh, he wanted the element of surprise. I don't know how Philip knew that Jack was going to be coming here. Like, is he just a mind reader? Maybe supposed to be he's so smart, but like he figured out the plan to get out of here. I get why he took Josh hostage because he figured Josh overheard that conversation. From his point of view, he's talking to Marilyn on the phone. And Jack's nowhere to be seen. But I so think, why does he assume Jack's coming? Well, I think it comes with the intuition when Jack's forcing this henchman to lie and be like, you, you know, kind of make him believe, oh, Marilyn wants, will only do it if... So I think, like, Philip's okay, going I'll like, buy that. I think Philip's reading into this, so he's safeguarding himself, knowing that they're on the way. and Because he says, come to this location. So he's, like, protecting himself. So he's saying, go opposite the hotel so that that way I can be protected they don't really know where I am. But... For argument's sake, let's say yes. But then the other thing that makes no sense is this dramatic phone call where they pick up the phone and Jack says, put it on speaker. He doesn't say put on speaker. after he Before they pick up, put it on speaker. They put it on speaker. And then you have Philip. Yes, Jack. It was me all along. <laughs> <laughs> How does he know they're going to put on speaker? He has he can't see them. Yeah. From, from the vantage point, he's actually several floors lower than them. Uh, he's got no cameras in the room. He it's, knows it's, his it's, son, Colin. He knows him. He yeah, loves a good speakerphone conversation. Always put it on speaker, yes. Yep. Especially in a helicopter when you can't hear anything. <laughs> That's his favorite part. But I know my son, he only uses speakerphone. <laughs> um, but uh, from this point on, I actually really do like this uh, with the argument that, oh, uh, we don't know Philip's motivation. The way that uh, James Cromwell plays this so is really strong where he... Wants to make the exchange. Uh, Jack says that he'll make the exchange. He'll go, okay, but kind of unarmed and stuff like that. Marilyn's in the hallway waiting. They do this. Then this is nowhere near the exchange from last season, which did we, did that make our, that made our top five, the uh, Audrey exchange for the recording, right? Yeah. The, the blood dripping. Yeah. Yes. Uh, this is nothing like that, but. Um, Not even the in the same conversation, part, Colin Hill and get fucked. <laughs> the, well, the exchange part isn't the, the good part here, but. The exchange part I still have issues with because Jack's like, uh, oh, now you every step he takes, you take a step. Every and step. then all of a sudden, You're on the sting Josh train just... this week. You said sting yeah. before, now every step. <laughs> Listen to some sting I see during the week. <laughs> Sending out an SOS. <laughs> uh, but, but then all of a sudden, Josh just walks with the most leisurely pace. Uh, and Philip's like, slowly, Josh. <laughs> now, I'm again very sorry to our dearly departed Evan, whatever your name is. But this entire episode, you have found out your grandpa's going to kill you. Have your grandpa pull a gun to your face. Have you find out your dad's dead. Um, have your grandpa hold a gun to your back on the edge of a building and then set up an exchange with your uncle in a dark <laughs> basement or a dark utility room or something like that somewhere. And then you say, you walk slowly or I'm going to kill you. And this actor, Evan, whatever, do, 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 do. Like there's never a change in his expression. <laughs> it's really frustrating. Um, he just walks right past Jack, and then this is where it gets really good. So this this scene where, yes, I'll agree with you when, when they reveal the thing. It's like, yeah, but when I didn't join the family business, then I decided to run away. I mean, this is taken straight out of the Godfather. One of the many things that they kind of steal from the Godfather here. You know, the son goes off to join the military, doesn't want to have anything to do with the family business. Um, but it's not. It doesn't even need mentioning. I feel like you could just do without it in this scene. Because everything else is good. Uh, their performances are great. E even uh, James Cromwell, like you legitimately believe that there's this soft side to him that maybe he's not pulling all the strings. We're going to find out later in the season. You know, this this is a, a bit of a another one of his ruses here. Uh, but Jack thinking he's about to die for like the second time this season and being okay with it is is connecting to everything we came out of last couple seasons with, which I like. Um, the... Uh, uh, explanation that Philip gives though where it's like uh, oh he blackmailed me because of Palmer's assassination like at this point just why are you telling him anything I mean he's trying to get Jack on his side Jack already assumes or knows that there's this connection to Palmer's assassination but he says he blackmailed me and even Jack is like so you let him you only did this after you a nuke went off and you didn't think to talk to anybody but 
what doesn't make sense is that he's trying to get him on his side because of what he's about to leave him, the little the little breadcrumbs he's about to leave him. Um, but when Jack's here, like getting ready to die, he's like, Dad, Dad, like you said, you can see what they're going for. You know, oh, he's not going to be there anymore. I mean, we know because we've seen it before, but it's pretty obvious even on first viewing. Uh, but then uh, when he when he goes outside and he finds the, the I love this is taking us back to 2007, Palm Pilot. When he finds mm. the Palm Pilot outside, yeah. branded Palm Pilot, uh, it says, call this number or whatever. Uh, it's got a number on there, which has no area code. Because um, <laughs> I'm sure in, in California, you don't need to dial area codes, especially in the greater Los Angeles area. But uh, he dials the number and we got a voice on the line, which the audience recognizes right away. I mean, those very clearly Logan. And Jackson made a conversation. Who is this? Who is this? Uh, it's, like, it's Charles Logan and we got to talk. Now, when I'm saying this is a potential Hall of Fame, I think this is the, uh, the icing on the cake. The show's jumped the shark already. I'm willing to you know, buy anything that they're going to give me as long as it's entertaining. And having Logan back is entertaining enough. But the buildup of the scene with Philip, it is really good. It's not as good as I remembered. I, I said uh, weeks ago, there's two scenes that I thought were going to be potential top five scenes. One, the original Philip reveal where he kills Graham. Definitely not as strong as uh, I thought it was. This one, it comes closer to holding up. There's still issues with it, but this is season six. Uh, there's a very famous quote in history from Charlton Heston when he's talking about uh, gun laws and and the threat of taking guns from uh, Americans, you know. So he's talking about uh, that he'll give you his gun when you pry it from his cold, dead hands. I'm telling you now, Colin. Pry it from my cold, dead hands, you dirty ape. I'm telling you right <laughs> now, the, the opposite angle of that, you can have this sequence as a Hall of Fame uh, if you pry the ability for me to create it from my cold, dead hands, because this is not going near <laughs> the Hall of Fame. This is maybe the worst thing I've ever heard you say on any of our podcasts, because this ending is terrible. I'm sorry. It is terrible. I see what you're saying. I see that this should be epic and it should be great, but it's so bad. This is Kiefer Sutherland even putting in a bad performance here. And, like, I don't get how you can even remotely believe James Cromwell, because he's doing exactly the same play that he did a couple of weeks ago to believe he's innocent. And even I remember watching this live going, like, he's totally fucking bullshitting. He's so evil. What the fuck? Don't believe him at all. And I, you I don't, I, uh, uh, I, I was just going to say, you, you don't, you don't think that like Kiefer, Kiefer believing this, or at least have wanting to believe this is what I read in this scene. No. And that's what really makes it. It, it. it dumbs Jack. It makes Jack look stupid because, and he even says that line, how could I be so stupid to me? Like, what inkling have we ever had at any point in 24 that Jack Bauer seeks his daddy's love? We've never had this. Jack is his own fucking man. Jack kicks out. And like, I'm all about, as I said last week and this week, personalizing the Jack Bauer character, but, but you were just taking this way too far to literally have him groveling on his knees and daddy, I'm so sorry that I didn't follow you into corporate America and said, saved America. Like, I mean, seriously, the amount of things that this guy has done for his country. I want Jack to be standing up for himself here. I want to be like, like, Fuck you, Dad. I stopped back in season two, at least, a nuclear bomb from killing people. I saved the future president of the United States. I did this. I did this. I was tortured. I was this. Like, fuck you. You want to, like, this is why I love the Terry speech back in season two, that that's what you took from me. That is Jack standing up to Nina, giving a personalized, heartfelt speech of this is what you took from the world. This is a vulnerable moment for Jack Bauer, and this is a moment. This is uh, an element of the you owe me speech, which have we had that yet? The We have, haven't we? Sorry, Mr. President, you owe me. Wasn't that? Uh, when, when, when was that? that? Have we had the you owe me or is that this year? We do get a you owe me. Like one of the best Jack Bauer speeches we get is a you owe me, Mr. Bruce. I swear we've had that before. Um, anyway, it's a great sort of element um, that Jack gets it. It's like you owe me, uh, Mr. President. You know, that's this season. That's this. I'm spoiling it. That is maybe one of the two episodes we get this season where... Um, so this is really bothering me now. Uh, <laughs> it's in day six, 11 p.m. to 12 a.m., uh, which is what, episode 18? Okay, we're way ahead of the game here. <laughs> I've spoiled <laughs> it, and I'm pretty sure that's got to be one of the episodes that I actually like of this season. Uh, dragging this out, dragging this out. We will do this quickly, Ben, as I always say. Um, you owe me, Ben. Oh, it is. It Give is. me my Hall of Fame. It is one of the two episodes, and that's like okay. We get a line from Jack where he kind of stands up and is like, "Like I've done so much for this fucking country. You owe me." 
So that's a Jack Power mm. line. That's him standing up. Not a, oh, I'm so sorry, Daddy. Oh, please love me. Please, 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 please. And I hate the camera angle, as I said. It really irks me when you see like there and then Jack's going like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. What are you doing with get it over with already? Because it's so obvious. And like, this isn't, you say it's like the second time this season. This is like the 28th time Jack Bauer's just willingly gone like, I'm going to die. End of last season to the Chinese. Kill me. Like it was just, it's, 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 it's as much of a trope now as Jack returns to CTU and <gasps> Jack's walking into CTU. It's Jack ex- accepts that he's about to die. It's just, it's just solid Jack Bauer logic at some point in this season. And to top this off, okay, I will admit watching this live, I'm like, ooh, Logan's back. And like, again, you knew he was coming back. Of course you did. They didn't kill him off. They're not going to not bring the greatest villain, arguably, in many people's eyes of 24 back. It's the thing that makes this, I hate it so much now in hindsight, is because I know where this goes. It's such a waste of Logan. They don't know what they're doing with it. And it's literally going to lead to a recycled plot line from season four, which is why the Chinese hate him. And it just gets to a point where it's laughable. It's absolutely parody of itself, 24, that they go the route, let's invade an embassy with permission. Fuck off. Um, so anyway, I hate it. I, I, I hate it. And this is to me why I hate this episode so much. And I'm sorry, Hall of Fame, go fuck yourself. <laughs> uh, well, but trivia. I respect your opinion, um, Colin. It's just wrong. Uh, I didn't hear any, uh, commentary for this one. Uh, trivia I'm reading here. Gregory Itzen does not receive a credit in this episode for dramatic purposes. Uh, obviously, um, this this one was actually interesting. The music that plays when Jack is saying his final words to his father is the same music as when Ryan Chappelle was about to be executed. Jack's literally in the same mm. position too. Like it's actually it's even filmed the same way. They're just in a different location, which uh, I wouldn't have connected those dots. But uh, great great work there. Great recycling yourself there, uh, Sean Callery. Uh, anything good in the book? Again, similar to last week. I think it was just a, a thing about um, something that it wasn't interesting, so I didn't I didn't bother <laughs> keeping it. Note, sorry. <laughs> Can, can, can I point this out? I didn't actually make a note of this, but right below the trivia on this, they have memorable quotes. This is the only memorable <laughs> oh, quotes in the episode. I forgot about that. Jack, Jack Bauer, you know how to use this? Referring to the gun. Marilyn Bauer, no. Jack Bauer, point and shoot. I I, I wrote that down because usually that's like one of these like tropes and like, you know how to use this and then they're like usually a female. Yeah. Like, you know, clicks yeah, whatever. You got to make sure they got the safety off. And... But like, like that's such a, like a great Jack line of like, you know, no, <laughs> just point and shoot. Like, okay, thanks. Um, nothing else in the book? Nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> Ben's given up. Uh, next week. Are you, what are you, are this you is one of the big ones. What are you doing? Oh, well, oh yeah, that's right. That was the big, uh, dramatic pause here. Um, no, I'm not bidding this episode. Oh, I'm going to rent it. Uh, I'm renting off. it lower on my rankings, no. lower-ish on my rankings. Uh, no. if I can find, oh no, I'm on my buys right now. I'm not buying Colin. this episode. I just was on the wrong section here. Uh, I've ranked this uh, 104th overall currently oh, out of 130 Colin. episodes. Because, like, seriously, the last scene, I think, is it's it's much better than you're giving it credit for. I think it, it's it's directed well. It's written well. The acting's not too bad. Um, I, I kind of like a little bit of the action stuff we get in this episode. And most importantly, Morris's storyline strangely really works. Uh, so, yeah, I'm I'm going to rent this one. Lower rent, but it's a rent. I feel like Morris throwing up in an alley right now. Um, yeah, no, it's definitely a bin. Uh, it is definitely right now ranked at 130 out of 130th. But good news, if you are not a, if you are a fan of this episode, this still makes the top 200. It makes it at 199. <laughs> uh, so there you go. It sneaks in there. But there will be one, two, three, four, five, six more episodes of this season that will be worse it, worse than it. And next week is. Not one of them. It is a thank you. Very slight improvement, but still a win. Because <laughs> next week's one of the things that I have fond memories of. Um, and, and again, I never rewatched the season, so I had fond memories of a lot of stuff at this point in the season. I'm still trying to pinpoint where I gave up, but it's not next week because next week something bad's gonna happen to the president. Uh, and Pop Simpson that is, is giving him a wedgie. <laughs> <laughs> but is that a potential Hall of Fame? I'll have to rewatch it, but is that is that in the mix? I mean, look, that's definitely the most it is the most memorable moment of this entire season. I wouldn't say that, but it's I'd say the nuclear bomb going off in Valencia is probably the most memorable moment of this oh, season. Post episode uh, four. But, uh, <laughs> you you could pick Morris, you know, scratching his chin in episode three, and it would top most of what we get from the rest look, of the season. Look, look, again, there's, there's slim pickings for this season for top five moments. So it's in the conversation, but it's uh, 
it's just how they play it out. Um, again, when I say it's better than this week and last week, it's only be- like it's literally maybe one spot higher than last week. So it's still going to be like the third oh. worst episode at this point in history to me. But it's it's that adds something. But again, I hate the plot. I mean, it's just funny that we get Bart Simpson in an episode. Come on. Uh, and we, I swear, we're, is Ricky Schroeder next week? Shoot me now if he is. I will have to look. Oh, we're very uh, close to Ricky Schroeder. I'm on the page now. But it's just this right. Logan stuff. It's just really starting to like, uh, don't get me started. Don't get me started, Colin. He's not uh, next week. If you want to listen to stuff that we come closer to agreeing on, this week is Gremlins, yeah. the wrap-up of our Christmas month. Uh, and then following that, we will get uh, Merry Christmas to you by killing the president or trying to kill the president. Our Christmas uh, our 24 first... will drop on Christmas Day. Might be our first ever uh, Christmas episode next week. I, I feel we've released maybe a best of on Christmas Day before, but I don't we've... think we've ever done. So next week will be a Christmas themed uh, happy presidential assassination episode. Yeah, that's that's what I think about when I think about Christmas. And that's what my kids asked for Christmas too. They said, kill the president. No. Uh, they didn't. Somebody's actually listening to this and knowing what Casper is capable of, they're probably already at the door. Poor joke. Uh, poor, poor joke. Poor joke. Uh, anyways. Uh, so listen to whatever else we have out there and then get excited for the new year because we'll eventually be done season six. And then we'll also have other exciting stuff coming up. Um, but uh, that will be it. My name is Colin and you owe me. <laughs> We're only six, eight episodes too soon. Well done, Ben. Uh, my name is Ben. I used all my quotes before, so uh, goodbye. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff yes sir. sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs)